Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. Data with your NXT Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview. That's right, Getting Over is back on a Wednesday. Very rare occasion we are here on a Wednesday to break down everything that happened on the latest edition of NXT before we preview NXT Stand and Deliver, the second non-TV special event. We can't call it a takeover anymore. I don't know if it's considered a premium live event, but a special event being put on by NXT since the switch from black and gold to the 2.0 era. It is going down Saturday afternoon. And when I say afternoon, I mean afternoon, 1 p.m. Eastern in Dallas, Texas. And it has blossomed, I guess is the best word I can use, into a loaded card that I am very excited to discuss on today's show. But you know, if we're starting an episode of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast, I'm not getting immediately to the action. I have to remind you that this show, this episode, every week, every time you listen to Getting Over, you need to remember. So please, folks, head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating on Apple. Also leave a review. Tell people why you love the show, why you subscribe, and why you listen. Basically, convince them to subscribe and listen to Getting Over as well. Every single time you guys leave a rating or a review, it just helps us. We get more listeners, more subscribers. People like to see recent reviews, and they want to see positive ones as well. And here, it's all about the five. So those are the only ones we accept. All five stars filled out. Also, please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. If there's any week to follow us, it is this week. It's WrestleMania 38 week. We have an absolute load of shows that we are dropping on all of you over the next few days. Of course, you should already have listened to our WWE WrestleMania 38 Ultimate Preview, which was published on Tuesday. Today, of course, we're doing the NXT Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview. We're back Thursday with an AEW show. On Saturday afternoon, we will have the NXT Stand and Deliver Instant Analysis, approximately 4, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, as soon as that goes off the air. Then Saturday night into Sunday morning, WrestleMania 38 Night 1 Instant Analysis. Sunday night into Monday morning, WrestleMania 38 Night 2 Instant Analysis. And of course, we will be back on Tuesday, one week from yesterday, with the Raw after WrestleMania and WWE Hall of Fame breakdown. So a ton of shows. Every single time we release one, the very first thing I do is send a tweet. Make sure you guys know it is live. Twitter's also a great uh, space for you guys to contribute to our pre and post show polls. So we get to know what you thought about all these pay-per-views and special events. And of course, we are doing live shows all weekend long on Twitter spaces, two on Saturday, one on Sunday for NXT and WrestleMania. We're going to do those about 30 minutes before the pre-shows begin. For the WrestleMania pre-shows, we may do them over the first 30 minutes of those pre-shows. They're they're two hours long. So if we do it any earlier, we're kind of missing, you know, getting into the heat of the action, right, as it pertains to WrestleMania. So the schedule is still a little bit up in the air. I'm going to try to find out what WWE is going to schedule those shows to look like. That way we know when to best do our pre-shows. But folks, We do have a loaded episode today. Of course, we are going to talk about the couple straggler items, I guess, that happened on NXT television before we get into the Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview, where we're going to break down the entire, I believe it's now seven match card, six main matches, 
and one that was added to the kickoff show in a complete surprise to probably anyone who's a viewer of NXT that this match got added the way it got added. So, you know, we're going to we're going to talk all about that uh, momentarily. First on the docket, of course, is talking about what happened on TV that does not directly pertain to Stand and Deliver. And I will say overall, just off the top here, this was an extremely strong go-home show. There are always moments in NXT where, you know, they're featuring the less developed, younger, inexperienced talent where you're like, ah, oh, this isn't really playing into the, the you know, special event that's coming up and it's kind of filler or maybe it's not that good. But all of the portions of this show that specifically were about Stand and Deliver were excellent. And many of the other elements were good as well. So I am really excited to talk about NXT this week. And the only other thing I'll say before we get started is, you know, probably for the last month or so, I've been telling you guys and girls, you know, if you stopped watching NXT for a period of time uh, because you didn't like the initial transition to 2.0, you missed the black and gold. Well, I was with you. You know, I was in that boat where I wasn't really loving it, um, but I still watched because we had a job to do here, you know, to review it every single week. But man, the last like really since the start of 2022, but really the last four to six weeks, NXT has kind of transformed itself not into 2.0, not into black and gold, but just this, this combination where you're getting some really good wrestling, some really fun storylines. And yeah, there's the developmental aspect as well. And some of that stuff that just angers you that you don't really think should be on TV. And I'm going to talk about some of that today. There's no question. But the majority of the show is very good, very entertaining and very watchable. So if you're someone who only listens to these reviews and you aren't really watching the shows week to week, I highly suggest Maybe you get started with Stand and Deliver and then go ahead and watch the show. Give it a month. I would be really surprised if you listen to this podcast regularly and don't enjoy the NXT product uh, that is presented right now. So whatever. Let's get into the show. Then we'll talk about Stand and Deliver. Uh, Let's start Ivy Nile face Tiffany Stratton. Tatum Paxley was shown cleaning up the trashed Diamond Mine uh, training facility that they have. Nile stopped her saying that Diamond Mine kicks ass. They don't kiss ass. Um, so, you know, clearly there's some type of recruitment angle going on. Now, is she going to join? Is it just going to be a feud with Ivy? Not exactly sure, but it is an interesting dynamic that they're giving us. Ivy in the match hit a Superman punch and a really cool running thrust kick on Stratton in the corner. When Stratton started getting the upper hand, smoke billowed from the entrance and Saray showed up in her wrestling gear. Niall countered uh, Stratton into that inverted like bulldog choke that she does, the submission, for the win in three minutes and 30 seconds. Given their relative lack of experience, I'm more acceptable of short matches for the women on NXT when it's wrestlers like these, and of course, not the main eventers and not the the people in the title picture. Enough work was done here where Ivy did benefit from the match, and I do think both of these women, Ivy Nile, Tiffany Stratton, they are up-and-comers. They both do have a future in this business. Uh, Legato Del Fantasma fought Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen. Joaquin Wilde did this insane move where he held himself up horizontally against the ring post, showing like core strength, and then dropped off of it and did an elbow drop at ringside. It was super cool. Raul Mendoza delivered an awesome walking springboard dropkick. Falcon Henley took out Electro Lopez outside as Briggs caught Wilde by the throat on a 450, chokeslammed him, and combined for high-low with Jensen for the win. NXT just has this continuous problem where it almost always puts the younger, newer talent over the older talent. Legato should have gotten the win in this match. They should be in the title picture, or if not that, they should be on the main roster. 
At the very least, though, the very least, they should be winning matches like this, especially after putting on an awesome performance like they did and carrying the entire match. Briggs and Jensen, can they develop into something one day? Maybe. I think Briggs has a greater future than Jensen does from an individual standpoint. But Legato is money. This is a team that should be winning this and building up their credibility to become number one contenders and really eventually be NXT champions, tag team champions. They should have been already, and they should be at some point. I don't understand why they're not getting pushed more, but they are extraordinarily talented. They are an incredible team. They actually do tag team wrestling. It's not just two guys that are together. They feel and gel like a team. Like I said, they could succeed on the main roster with Santos. They could be in the title picture in NXT. They deserve much, much better than losing to Briggs and Jensen, who certainly did not need the win in this situation. Indy Hartwell and Persia Prada continued their really stupid relationship one-upsmanship with awful, awful scripted lines. Parada suggested they let the NXT universe decide who's the hotter couple. And I think they're going to do it in Dallas. I have no idea what this means, but I legitimately have negative interest in it. They've taken four people I like, okay? Indy Hartwell, Persia Parada, Dexter Loomis, and Duke Hudson, like all of them, and put them in an awful storyline that has no end in sight. And no matter what the resolution is, None of them, none of the four of them are going to look any better for it. It hurts every time it's on screen. It's horny for the sake of being horny, which I don't necessarily mind, but it's it's unnecessary for this to be happening right now in NXT. It's hurting all four of them. Do nothing! Do nothing! Uh, Von Wagner fought Bodie Hayward. Jack at time was on commentary for some reason with Ikaminjiro salivating all over um Sophia Cromwell, who was watching in the crowd. And look, I do get that. But it is also a little, you know, overdone, given you already have Idris Anofe and Malik Blade salivating over Mandy Rose every time they see her. It's like, we get it. There's hot women on NXT. That's cool. Uh, Wagner won the match with a really weird fireman's carry neckbreaker in 330. Bodie showed a few things here. Wagner was the same as ever. He attacked Jack a time after the bell, hit Jiro with the finisher before ripping his jacket in half. That did get good heat from the crowd, so I guess credit where it's due there. Wagner and Cromwell then stared at each other. It's going to be sad to see Kushida and or Jiro get jobbed out to Wagner in the next week or two. And Cromwell siding with Wagner and Robert Stone, we can presume. I mean, I don't know what that's going to be, but you know, she probably deserves better than being stuck with Von Wagner. So look, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Joe Gacy fought Draco Anthony. Gacy hit the springing handstand lariat to win in four minutes. Anthony did get a good amount of offense and he did look improved from his first couple of matches, but there was really nothing here to talk about. And then Nikita Lyons fought Sloan Jacobs. Lyons hit a Samoan drop, some kicks and pinned Jacobs with a split. Jacobs sold terribly for her. So even if we wanted to, to give her some credit Lyons, you can't because she didn't look that good. And I get why people are all about her. Trust me, I get it. As of today, she can't wrestle, at least not yet. And throwing a couple kicks, she threw three of them. One was okay. The other two sucked. You know, I get why people are obsessed with her. I understand. But she's not ready for TV. As simple as that. Speaking of not ready for TV, Lash Legend cut a promo on the Titantron about being a bigger, badder uh, person, I guess, and more of a star. I have negative interest in this feud as well, and zero desire, 0.0 desire 
to see a match between those two. And that was it. That was the extraneous content that was on NXT. So let's just get right to it. The NXT Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview. It's very difficult not to call these takeovers, and I kind of wish they still called them that, but I do understand the differentiation between the old and the new. So it is a seven-match card, and only one match got added on the go-home show. So let's get into that first, especially because it's going to be a kickoff show match, and then we'll talk about everything else. So we had Dakota Kai backstage looking for Wendy Chu when she came across her pajamas, slippers, and a pillow that was busted open. During a very long Toxic Attraction in-ring promo, Mandy Rose later said Wendy apologized for not getting the job done, and she apologized by, they basically opened a backpack, revealing remnants of all her stuff. So the apology was them attacking Wendy, basically, is what they're trying to say. Where is she? No idea. Is she kidnapped? Are we going to see her again? Not exactly sure what happened there. Gigi Dolan and JC Jane ranted about taking out all their competition and standing alone atop NXT. Kai then ran in to attack one-on-three. She got dominated, where all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Raquel Gonzalez surprisingly returned to make the save. The former friends didn't know whether to trust each other. The fans chanted yes. Gonzalez offered her like a fist, and then Kai jumped into her arms with a huge hug before they held up the Women's Tag Team Championships, basically saying, we're going after these. Now, obviously, I liked this, but I enjoyed it even more than I expected. They told a really nice story with Dakota and Raquel breaking up, you know, five or six months ago. Their feud ended four months ago. Dakota, when she kind of came back, she had a short like time where she was away. Uh, She came back thinking she can't trust anyone, doesn't have any friends. The only person she can talk to is in her own head. Then she meets Wendy Chu, who teaches her that she can have friends again. She can trust people again. And then Gonzalez comes back, has her back and pays the entire thing off by being the one to save Dakota, and of course, not the other way around. Such a simple storyline that they absolutely nailed. It's a bit disappointing, I will say, that the Kai and Chu team seems to be off, and it is odd that Raquel is back ahead of Stand and Deliver, but not in the women's championship match like we thought she might be, uh, with Cora Jade and Mandy Rose, them kind of running that back, especially because they ended up making it a fatal four-way. So I am curious whether this was always the plan or if this was a pivot and it's an entire plans change type of situation across the entire women's division. Because it's pretty clear that one of two things was going to happen. Either Dakota Kai and Wendy Chu were supposed to win the uh, Dusty Rhodes Women's Tag Team Classic and challenge for the tag team titles. Or, and Raquel Gonzalez was supposed to be the third person in the women's uh, triple threat match, you know, which it would have been for the championship. But there was injuries or issues or absences. Something must have happened there that caused them to have the winners of that tournament challenge for a singles title, which really didn't make any sense in kayfabe as we discussed last week, and then bring Gonzalez back to team with Kai to fight for the Women's Tag Team Championships. You know, they could have just had Kai and Chu get there. Maybe Chu gets hurt and Gonzalez replaces her for the match. You know, that would have been very clean to do it that way. So again, I'm not exactly sure what happened. I would love to know. But either way, it was a nice surprise and a great moment on the show. And it did lead to a Women's Tag Team Championship match booked for Stand and Deliver, Toxic Attraction, against Gonzalez and Kai. And I was really surprised to see them push this onto the card 
given it was an extremely short turnaround and this could have been a headline match in the main event for NXT next week. It makes me wonder if Toxic Attraction might be getting a call up and maybe they're going to change the titles. I saw a lot of people really, really down about Dakota being paired with Raquel again. I guess the idea is we all want Dakota Kai to be a singles wrestler in the main event of NXT or on the main roster at this point and having to work with Raquel keeps her either in the tag team division and or keeps her in NXT. All those things are possible. It's how I feel about Io Shirai. You know, she's in one tag team after another. And the whole time when you see Io Shirai, you're like, why is this woman not on the main roster? They need women. She's one of the best wrestlers in the world. And she's been in NXT for like two or three years at this point. But people keep talking like it's some disaster for Kai and Gonzalez to be paired together. I don't agree with that at all. I think that's completely silly. They're really good together. So this match is going to be on the kickoff show. And it has made predicting the outcomes of this match and the women's championship match extremely difficult. But I think what I ultimately come down to here when I'm considering who is going to win these matches, because obviously we provide predictions uh, along with our previews here. Uh, and of course, I'll give you a grade at the end of the Stand and Deliver uh, Ultimate Preview here. It, it, it seems to me like Toxic Attraction, they've had the titles for such a long time. They've completely dominated this women's division. And I'm not even saying in kayfabe. I'm saying in reality. The whole thing has been focused around them. And it really hasn't allowed the other women on the brand to do much. I think Mandy Rose coming down to NXT was a success. You know, is she the greatest NXT women's champion ever? No, in fact, she's probably one of the worst NXT Women's Champions ever from an in-ring wrestling standpoint. But her promo game has improved massively. I'll talk about it a little bit later. But the promo she cut on this go-home show is maybe the best one of her entire career. And she has this group in Toxic Attraction that really works well together. It is something that would absolutely succeed on the main roster without a question. So I do believe coming out of Stand and Deliver, and this is a... Uh, blanket statement I want to make for the entire show. I think we're going to get a number of NXT call-ups the week after WrestleMania on Raw and SmackDown. Men, women, teams, whatever. The problem is normally back in the day when you were talking about NXT call-ups, it was very obvious who those people were going to be. You know, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura in a match loses his title. He's getting called up. Like you didn't really have to think twice about things like that. Here, it's much more difficult because so many people need to be called up and the roster for WWE right now is so thin. I can go through this entire card and I could just tell you, and I'm gonna do it very quickly before I make this prediction here, but uh, obviously Ziggler's already up there. Breaker could be called up. Uh, Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray and Mandy Rose could all be called up. Uh, Cameron Grimes, Roderick Strong, Grayson Waller even, Santos Escobar and Legado Del Fantasma, Carmelo Hayes, Theoretically, all these guys are ready for the main roster. Tommaso Ciampa, Imperium, MSK, LA Knight, Gunther with Imperium, Toxic Attraction as an entire team, Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. So almost everyone wrestling on the show, there's very few people I left out, are theoretically capable and ready or able to be called up for the main roster. Who the hell are they going to pick? That's the difficult you know, decision that I'm going to have to make as I kind of make some of these predictions here. When it comes to this, I think there's a greater chance that they change the titles and reset the women's division and call Toxic Attraction up as a group 
then call up some of these individual women. And I hate to say that because, again, Io Shirai should have been on the main roster a year ago. But I'm going to pick Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai winning the Women's Tag Team Championships, yeah, on a kickoff show here over Toxic Attraction. And that should probably indicate to you what I think is going to happen later in the show as well. But I do have a title change on the kickoff show uh, beginning this thing. And, And this is also going to give away very much, in my opinion, the Women's Championship match. If there's not a title change here, if Toxic Attraction retains, then I think Mandy Rose retains as well. If Toxic Attraction loses, I think Mandy loses as well. That seems to me like it's going to be what happens. Next, we have Gunther against LA Knight. We had an LA Knight and MSK against Imperium six-man tag team match on NXT that opened the show. And the first shot we saw on NXT was incredible. Gunther was like standing there with his arms behind his back, you know, poised, ready to walk to the ring, just like he always does. When he was nailed from behind and fell forward into the camera, uh, the camera was positioned underneath him. Super cool camera work and a great shot. Really chaotic stuff to begin the show. The faces worked really well together. Gunther and Knight brawled away from the ring into the crowd. MSK uh, got the legal man wrong. And Nash Carter took a huge lariat as the champions won in 14 minutes. Really exciting match and a great way to kick off the go-home NXT. But it really wasn't much more than that. As far as this match on the show... I have to believe Gunther is going to beat LA Knight. Like I said, I don't know what there is left for Knight to do in NXT. He just had a title match out of nowhere that he got because of his mouth, as Gunther said. He lost that. Now he's going to fight Gunther. He's not going to beat him. So he's going to lose this. He's, you're not going to put him in the North American Championship conversation. That division is stacked, as we're going to get to in a moment. So what else is he going to do there? For me, he's done. I would not be surprised to see LA Knight called up to Raw or SmackDown next week. Gunther is going to win this match. NXT Tag Team Championship Imperium versus Creed Brothers versus MSK in a triple threat. The Creeds got a text from someone with a Boston area code saying good luck on Saturday. That got them worked up that it might be the perpetrators who attacked uh, them and trashed the Diamond Mine training facility. So there's a little bit of a continued storyline there that's pretty interesting. That also, to me, maybe gave away a little bit. Uh, the result here at TakeOver, because I do think a tag team title change is likely. Uh, MSK being there, and I don't know that they are going to take the fall. Imperium certainly is capable of doing so, but I do think the Creed brothers come out of this as the new NXT tag team champions. They're certainly deserving of it. I do believe it's a little too early to strap them up, but they're capable and they've shown incredible progress in a very short period of time. Them having the titles also creates a situation kind of like Drew McIntyre when he won the NXT Championship, immediately getting attacked by Undisputed Era at TakeOver all those many years ago. This could be a similar situation here where the Creeds win the titles, get attacked immediately after, and that's the introduction of a new tag team, which would be a really cool moment to do on Stand and Deliver. So everything really points to the titles changing, and MSK does not seem like the team uh, there to take the titles. They seem like a team in this match to make it more exciting. We have Tommaso Ciampa against Tony D'Angelo. Ciampa cut another garage door promo, revealing his wife had five miscarriages before giving birth to their daughter and saying NXT has been the constant in his life through a ton of trials and tribulations. Ciampa said fans will help him create the magic of his career one final time in Dallas. Then he took his chair and instead of throwing it away like he normally does, he throws it against the garage door. He folded it up nicely and placed it against the door and it revealed on the chair his debut date in NXT and the date of Stand and Deliver, indicating it will be his last match in NXT either way. Ciampa had this huge promo last week. So this was a really poignant note for him to go out with 
on the go-home show. And it was another strong showing for him on the mic, as per usual. D'Angelo used a lot of typical mafioso language in a promo against Champa later. This is maybe the toughest match for me to predict on the show. Because they have not definitively said that Champa is leaving NXT, but everything he's done has basically indicated that he's leaving NXT. If he's going to the main roster, which I have to believe he is, I don't think he's getting released, right? Uh, if, he's, if he's getting called up to the main roster, generally in NXT history, the person will go out on their back. And it would make sense for that to happen here to put Tony D'Angelo over. On the other hand, it really feels like D'Angelo isn't ready to get that clean of a win over a guy the caliber of Champa, and that just being in a really highly competitive match with him would be enough to kind of get D'Angelo over. So my head tells me that in NXT history, D'Angelo wins this match. My heart tells me if you're bringing Champa up to the main roster, having him lose to D'Angelo before he does that, especially considering he's not coming up as champion like Kevin Owens did, or he's not coming up with an immense amount of hype the same way Shinsuke Nakamura or Finn Balor did, or even Samoa Joe. Given those circumstances, I do think Champa wins this match. I also think NXT may want to put him over as kind of like a thank you, like, yes, you do rule NXT, gets a big, you know, ovation from the crowd, all that type of stuff. But if D'Angelo wins, I would not be surprised. So this was just, like I said, the toughest one to predict on the entire show. We have a North American Championship ladder match. Carmelo Hayes defending against Santos Escobar, Solo Sokoa, Grayson Waller, and the winner of a triple threat last chance match that was held on NXT. So let's get right into that. Cameron Grimes cut an emotional promo backstage uh, about delivering on the promise he made to his father. That basically gave away the main event finish and for me gave away the match finish as well. Waller interrupted a mellow promo and made a dick joke when he was actually talking about Sangha being bigger than Trick Williams. It wasn't the best. Malcolm Bivens later cut a promo about Strong qualifying uh, and saying both Strong and the Creeds will walk out with the titles at Stand and Deliver. So the match was Grimes, Strong, and A-Kid, last chance qualifier. This was appropriately the main event. A-Kid hit an awesome thrown dropkick into Strong, then a frog splash on Grimes. Strong powerbombed A-Kid into Grimes, who came back with a double hurricanrana, which I'm sure has been done before, but I've never seen before. Grimes hit the Spanish crossbody on Strong and nearly landed on his head. It was not executed well. A-Kid came off the top rope with the Tornado DDT on Grimes. Strong caught A-Kid with, on a kip-up with a lifted knee and then hit his backbreaker. But as he stood up, Grimes caught Strong with a cave-in for the win and an incredible finish to an incredible match. I went 4.25 stars and an A. This is the best match I've seen on TV across the last eight days. Period. Just absolutely loved it. If it had any more time, it would have gone longer. It was it was relatively short, all things considering. Uh, fantastic wrestling from all three guys. A barn burner. The match could have been for the title on Stand and Deliver. Like if you said there was a vacant title on the line and these three guys were going at it and you put this same match plus five minutes on Stand and Deliver, it would have absolutely been worthy of that platform. But it was a great go-home show match and a really good way to get Grimes into that uh, North American Championship ladder match. After the bell, everyone in the ladder match cut short promos. Mello took credit for building the match. Grimes spoke last and threw a strike. And then NXT ended with an all-out brawl. Unlike Raw, this was the perfect final go-home moment on a big show. Raw was RK Bro celebrating, hitting a couple RKOs. It was relatively whatever. 
This, you felt the passion, you felt the energy. It actually and actively got you excited for NXT Stand and Deliver. And I appreciated that. As far as the match, you know, you kind of break it down. The, the title's going to change, okay? Carmelo Hayes, he's been a great North American champion. The truth is, on the current incarnation of NXT, he should probably be beyond the North American Championship. He should be competing in main event level matches and challenging for the championship sooner than later. So I do think he drops the title here after a very long run. Let's also not forget, this guy built this match. Like he literally did not have to have a, what is it? One, two, three, four, a five-person ladder match. He could have had a one-person ladder match, meaning like one opponent, or he could have just had a regular match on the card. Like in kayfabe, this guy made it more difficult for himself to retain the title. And in a ladder match, it's the easiest possible way for someone to lose a championship without obviously getting pinned or submitted. So I do think there's gonna be a title change. So whenever that's the case and it's a multi-man match, we always use process of elimination when making our prediction. So Hayes is out because he's not retaining. Santos Escobar has already been champion. Again, I can't say it enough. He should be in the main event scene in NXT. If not that, he should be on the main roster. He certainly does not need to win the title again. Solo Sokoa, a little bit too new to win the championship. And also there's really just not a lot of momentum behind him right now. And that leaves two people, Grayson Waller and Cameron Grimes. Those are the two people one of whom should ultimately win this match. And it can go one of two directions. Either Waller wins the championship and the storyline from Grimes is that Waller prevented him from keeping his promise to his father. They feud and that ultimately ends with Grimes winning the championship or Grimes wins the title and Waller is his first challenger, which I think makes a lot more sense. Um, Again, when you go into this match, Escobar and Grimes today, could be on the main roster. They're ready right now. Waller and Hayes a little bit less so, but if they were called up, they would still succeed. So four of the five people here are ready. And even Solo Sokoa, he's not exactly ready for the main roster, but if he was added to the bloodline as just extra muscle, of course, that would make plenty of sense as well. So everyone here is someone who I expect will be a long-term and future WWE superstar. The question is, who are they gonna put over in this moment? I don't think that they are going this deep with a uh, his father passing away and telling that story two weeks in a row on television, and it's been mentioned before, to not have Cameron Grimes win the North American Championship. I think this is the crowning moment for a guy who has really needed one. He's been in NXT for a pretty decent amount of time without holding gold uh, beyond, I guess, the Million Dollar Championship. Uh, this is the opportunity for him to do that. I am picking and predicting Cameron Grimes win the North American Championship on this show. And that leaves us with our co-main event, the two major championships on the brand, the NXT Women's Championship, Mandy Rose defending against Cora Jade, and now Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray as well in a fatal four-way match. Shirai and KLR cut a promo about being experienced champions who made a strategic decision to go after Rose. Then they got a little contentious with each other. Jade showed her school notebooks where she doodled about WWE and NXT and talked about how it was her dream to be NXT champion. And then I mentioned this earlier, Toxic Attraction cut a promo in the ring. Rose said she has dominated the women's division. Uh, She's dominated Cora. She's gonna kick Shirai out of NXT for good, which sounds good to me because I really want her on the main roster. And she's gonna send KLR back under a bridge as she becomes the greatest women's champion of all time. This may have been Mandy's best promo ever, as I mentioned. I thought she crushed it. And what's really funny, she's a New York native. And a lot of times when she speaks, that doesn't come across. But if you listen closely to this promo, 
There's a lot of New York accent that comes out here from Mandy Rose. And I thought it only sold the promo more and made it made it seem more legit and real. So I, I certainly enjoyed this from Mandy. The biggest issue I have in this match, and if you can tell, I mean, I think I've predicted, what, a title change in every possible circumstance, right? So I think there's going to be a title change here as well. The problem that I have is I have no idea who they're going to have win the title. Could they put it on Cora Jade? They absolutely could. But she is not ready. I mean, I don't know how much I need to stress that Cora Jade is being overpushed. That is not saying I don't like her, that I don't think she has a future. I believe she does. She, I mean, the comparisons to AJ Lee are obvious. She could do that role and be very successful as that kind of women's wrestler in the future. But they have strapped a rocket to her. And she's 19 years old at this point. What is the rush in putting her over and making her champion? I just don't get it. So I do think Mandy loses the championship. But I don't know who takes it from her. I think Io Shirai winning it. You know, Io's the, the one who... She's already been champion. You know, they could put it on her, not think twice about it. There you go. But again, you're thinking about EO. She really should get called up. She absolutely should get called up to the main roster after this match. But even if not, she has that Zoe Stark tag team that she can go back to because the one with Kaylee Ray was temporary. Kaylee Ray comes into this match as the longest reigning NXT women's champion of all time. She has the credentials ability to be champion. And she and even though I don't like the idea of her being a transitional champion, if you wanted her to be, she could work in that role as well because she's so capable of wrestling and succeeding without the title. So I'm going to predict that they put the championship on Kaylee Ray here. I'm not at all confident about it. I I would say it's a 33% level of confidence, but if I had to pick someone where to me it made the most sense for them to change the title, it's Kaylee Ray. But again, I could just be completely wrong about the women's booking. They could change all the men's titles and they could keep all the women's championships on Toxic Attraction. I don't know why they would after so long, but it is certainly plausible that they do that. And if they do, it would really even out this card a little bit more because to have, you know, whatever, five title changes or however many in one show, that's a lot. I mean, that's almost unprecedented. I don't know that that's ever happened in WWE or NXT before. So that's what I'm predicting right now, but there's a very good chance I'm wrong about that. And if I am it's probably the two women's championships that would be retained instead of changing. And lastly, we have the NXT championship, Dolph Ziggler versus Braun Breaker. There was an excellent video package with Ziggler pointing out Braun is excited for his first WrestleMania weekend. While this is just another year for Dolph, he's done it so many times. He talked about doing all the media for the match instead of Breaker because no one knows who he is. Later in the show, Vic Joseph was introducing a Braun Breaker video package and finally acknowledged for the first time in seven months, that he is the son of Rick Steiner. Like, I I heard it on TV. I was like, finally, that's all I could say. Finally, The Rock. Finally, they actually acknowledge Braun Breaker's lineage. Next step, change the guy's name. Allow him to be Braun Steiner or Rex Steiner. Do something to get rid of this stupid name that, again, I compare it to Roman Reigns because of the alliteration, because it feels like it came from the same ideation of, you know, let's give a name, a guy this really strong name that is alliterated and people aren't going to forget him. It's going to work on the main roster. Let him be Rex Steiner. Let him be Braun Steiner. 
I don't, I don't care. If you want alliteration, give him an S first name and allow him to be Steiner as well. Just get rid of Breaker. I hope they do it here. Anyway, the video package talked about this being the biggest match of his life. Braun said he loves NXT too much to let Ziggler hold the title. And there's nowhere for Dolph to run and hide because it's a one-on-one match and not a triple threat like the one they had against Champa. He said he would take back the title on behalf of every diehard NXT fan. It was a really good promo from Breaker. You know, I gotta give him credit. When he gets on the mic, especially when it's taped, he does a fantastic job. I will tell you, going into this match, and I think we've all predicted the exact same thing for a really long time, Braun Breaker wins the title back. They only put it on Ziggler so Braun could get a moment at Stand and Deliver, not just in front of his family, but on WrestleMania weekend. It makes a headline, blah, blah, blah. And I still think that's going to happen. That is my prediction that Braun Breaker wins back the NXT Championship. However, this is what I'm going to say. Ziggler has done a fantastic job as NXT champion. And I'm a little bothered by the fact that he's been so good and helped elevate NXT. The ratings of the show, I'm not saying it's because of Dolph specifically, but the ratings of the show have gone up in three consecutive weeks. And I do think a large part of that is interest in the storyline that Dolph is bringing there. And of course, they can bring other main roster talent up and have them do things and promote it. I get all of it. But Dolph in NXT has been a breath of fresh air. It's just something that feels different and fun and exciting. And it does bother me, the idea that they're going to put the title on him for such a short period of time. And all of that fresh excitement is just going to go away next Tuesday when he's gone and Breaker's the champion. And we're kind of back to where we were. So I do wish, I I wish that they booked Ziggler to retain the title. But ultimately, my prediction, of course, is that Breaker uh, wins it and Braun becomes a two-time NXT champion. And that is the ultimate preview for NXT Stand and Deliver. All that's left is to provide my pre-show expectation grade. And I do need to say, even though, yeah, look, it's NXT 2.0, it's not black and gold, it's not a quote-unquote takeover, and there's some people in these matches who, in my opinion, are going to win that probably shouldn't, right? Even with all of that, I will say that the quality wrestling that NXT has put on over the last four to six weeks, especially with the people involved in these storylines and these matches on this card, it has been high. And while it almost shocks me to say this, and I probably never thought I would ever do this, I'm going into this NXT Stand and Deliver with a pre-show expectation grade of A-. I have higher expectations for this than I do WrestleMania simply because it's a short card and there's a really nice opportunity for them to make news, change titles, freshen things up, and put on a number of really damn good wrestling matches. My one concern is because this is on Saturday before night one of WrestleMania and it starts at one o'clock, and there are seven matches on the card, I'm a little concerned that they kind of jam-pack these together and some of them don't get their just due in terms of time. Having one of them be on the kickoff show, the Women's Tag Team Championship, is a great idea. And really, with that being on the kickoff show, it's probably a greater indicator, now that I'm thinking about it, that they're going to keep the titles with them as opposed to change the titles. Nevertheless, I'm keeping my predictions. But I digress. Let me go back to the grade here. Um, Six matches on the main card, spread out over... You know, these are usually two and a half to three hours. They all should have enough time. My only concern is that potentially, perhaps, some of them are rushed. That's, I think, the only way that this show could be disappointing. 
Other than that, again, the expectations are high. There's a very small window, A and A plus, for NXT to exceed those expectations. I think I'm going to end up being right on at the end of the day. A minus, B plus is where I think the show is going to land. And as I've said multiple times on this show, I'm extremely excited to what NXT stands and delivers for us. Uh, Horrible pun intended there uh, when we get this show on Saturday afternoon. So that is it for this edition of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. A quick reminder, uh, what's coming up here on Getting Over on Thursday, AEW show. On Saturday, Stand and Deliver, instant analysis for NXT in the afternoon, approximately 4 to 4.30 p.m. Eastern, as soon as that goes off the air. WrestleMania 38, night one, instant analysis, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Sunday night, Monday morning, WrestleMania 38, night two, instant analysis. And then next Tuesday, the Raw after WrestleMania and WWE Hall of Fame. Folks, you know that the best way to make sure you listen to these shows as soon as they are live is to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Not only that, you can participate in our three live shows on Twitter Spaces, two on Saturday, one on Sunday ahead of Stand and Deliver and WrestleMania. You can participate in those. You can send in DMs, questions, uh, provide comments, your thoughts for uh, all the shows while they're going on live. And we can definitely read some of them in our instant analysis, as long as they are applicable. There's every reason in the world to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. And as long as you're uh, getting overhead, a listener, a supporter of this show, there is every reason in the world to remember. And head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating on Apple. Also leave a review. Tell people to subscribe. Tell them to listen. Tell them that this week of episodes we are creating and putting out there for WrestleMania week is the greatest week of wrestling podcasting in the history of the world. I don't know if it's true, but I'm going to try to make it true for you, okay? Uh, We're two shows in. Plenty more to go as this week plays out. I appreciate all of you being with us, being getting overheads, listening to the podcast. Do not miss all of those instant analysis episodes on Saturday and Sunday. There is so much more to come. I thank you all for listening, and I leave you with three final words. Bye for now.